Well, Jonathan, I think you know why we brought you in here today. I certainly do, Jeff Pesos, big boss of Super Podcast Corporation. I know what this is about. You're going to tell me that you're canceling Cinemaholics. Hmm, yes. Well, I hope you understand. It's not personal. Movie podcasts are no longer the commodity we once thought they were. In fact, I'm not sure they ever were. Honestly. Can I just say one thing, Jeff Pesos, before you try to send Cinemaholics down the drain for good? Oh, let me guess. You are going to try and make Cinemaholics an independent show. Good luck. Or is there more? Please, do go on. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'm not throwing away my pot. I am not throwing away my pot. I'm just like the industry. I watch films religiously and I'm not throwing away my pot. I don't make a film show on Spotify. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I get them to subscribe. The problem is we got a lot of films we describe. We got a screen to be streamed with every theme we dispel hype. Yeah, our podcast is rough. A chatty piece of coal, but that's just our goal through our hour of speech, and yeah, it takes a toll. We're young, so our takes are new, but yeah, these movies we see are true, so we review every actor, every X factor, all the benefactors. I don't have a coin to budget, who are you to judge it? Our plan is for fans not to be hyperbolic, we're running out of time, so I'll get symbolic. It's time to start our show called Cinema. Yo, a show that's wanna be aiming for quality. Meanwhile, Hollywood is behaving monstrously. Essentially, they release films constantly. Then the studios turn around by the Academy. They ain't never gonna shoot for equality. So there will be a new format that makes history. Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max. Don't shoot the messenger, just speak in the facts. I will always love theaters because they send me free. Eventually, they'll fall permanently. So I'm not throwing away my pot. I am not throwing away my pot. I'm just like the industry. I watch films religiously and I'm not throwing away my pot. I'm not throwing away my pot. I am not throwing away my pot. I'm just like the industry. I'm chock full of infamy and I'm not throwing away my pot. Um, okay. Sure. But will it be like the Joe Rogan experience? Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Agroni, the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, staff writer for the Young Folks, head writer of Cinemaholics.com, and I write books when I get the chance. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he also reviews films for Cinemaholics.com. Hey, Blash. Hey. You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive on Cinemaholics.com. You can write into the show anytime by sending us an email. Uh, just, you know, get your quill, get your ink, and put it to the address cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us directly, you become one of our monthly patrons on patreon.com slash cinemaholics. All right, well, Ashton, lots to get to, um, but only Is one there? movie review. Well, there's yeah. a couple things in off topics, but sure, that's true. it's funny because last week I insisted. I was like, well, are we going to review Hamilton? That seems weird to review a musical on Disney+. Plus. What ended up happening is it's the only review for this week. Yeah. So 
Well, I mean, I was, I, I think there's a lot to discuss here, but I mean, I, yeah. I understand your concern because it's like, what, what is there to say about a show that came out four or five years ago? But I think it's going to be a good conversation. I think so. I think so. And we did want to add other reviews to the show. The problem is that uh, we both didn't see a lot extra yet. So we're saving stuff for next week, focusing on yeah. Hamilton because it's July 4th weekend and a lot of a little we're committed this week. So we're going to save reviews of hopefully we'll talk about Relic, um, but also, yeah, you just watched a family romance LLC. Yeah, the Herzog film. Uh, and you're almost done with uh, Desperados. So that's being kind. Yeah, I'm about halfway, I think. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll have, I'll have something to say about that for sure next week, as well as Family Romance, L Incorporated, or however. How do you pronounce it? LLC or is it? LLC, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, definitely have a lot to say about that one. So I'm excited to talk about those. But Hamilton is the star this week. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a ton of sh- uh, time to do the show this week. So this will be a shorter episode. But that just, that just means next week's episode is going to be incredible all along so <laughs> we'll see though oh boy a uh, few off topics to get to we do have a new extra milestone you can check out right now and uh, will you missed it we're really sad you weren't there but we talked about rebecca the alfred hitchcock film which came out mm-hmm. in 1940 just celebrated its 80th anniversary a couple of months ago uh, sam noland emily kuban and myself talked about that film along with Le True, which is French for the whole, that movie celebrated 60 years at the box office or since it came out at the box office uh, in 1960. So, yeah. And so you didn't have time to watch these films. Unfortunately, again, no. or Rebecca, you'd already seen. I had not seen either of them. I wanted to see both. But yeah, the timing of it just okay. didn't work out. If it was like even like a day or two later, I could have maybe checked them out. But just the timing wasn't meant to be. So unfortunately, I'll have to have another chance to watch them for the first time. But I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear what you two had this or you three. I'm sorry. Uh, had to say about the the movies. It's a great episode of Extra Milestone. Highly recommend. It's on the feed right now. And uh, yeah, so this is kind of what I was referring to in terms of something in off topics that might be. Uh, a fun little ancillary discussion to the main review. And that's some uh, listener feedback. We didn't get any birthday shout outs, uh, probably because people understand it's America's birthday this week. I was so. wondering if you're going to do that. I was waiting right. for it. <laughs> birthday shout out for America. Uh, sorry, our friends overseas that America is quite the embarrassment these days, but it's still our birthday. And uh, we're going to celebrate uh, with a review about our founding in a lot of ways. We're so. Have some fireworks, I guess, between us. I have to yeah, imagine. those will be our hot takes. Yeah. yeah. But we did get some listener feedback totally unrelated to Independence Day. Uh, this comes from Sid, uh, I almost said Sydney, Cindy, who asked us, hey, John and Will, I just watched the latest film video essay by Lindsay Ellis on YouTube about Titanic, where she argues that the movie is, quote, good, actually, end quote. With the release of Hamilton now upon us, I am curious what you guys think of how backlash against popular pop culture operates in your opinion and whether or not you think quality of a film is impacted by the public perception of it. Really curious to hear what you two have to say. So thank you. Uh, So again, that comes to us from Cindy who emailed us cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your emails, any listener feedback and birthday shout outs you might have. But yeah, Will, I, I actually checked out this video essay. I love Lindsay Ellis's work. Yeah, she's great. I'm actually about to read her new book uh, yeah, I, actually for the young folks. So I'm really excited mm. to review it. And uh, it's timely that she's talking about Titanic in a way because in many ways, Hamilton is like the musical equivalent of something that sort of 
five years ago really captured the zeitgeist of American pop culture in a lot of ways, I would argue. It, like Hamilton's a very popular thing. And yeah. kind of like Titanic, eventually people start to say the thing is bad because it's too popular. They won't say it like that, but they'll sort of say like it's not a good thing that something is beloved by most people. And there's this sure. sort of like film theory that the more people like something, the more likely it is that it is too mainstream in the sense that it doesn't take enough risks or operate, you know, operate in a way that is averse or subversive, I should say, um, in a way that art should be. So it's a popular film theory, but it's also one that has critics divided in a lot of ways. So what do you think? First, I mean, do you like Titanic? I don't actually know that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, like this, this is a kind of broader discussion. So I guess we'll kind of simplify it for Titanic, at least. Yeah, I mean. I remember liking Titanic. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I mean, I haven't seen Lindsay Ellis's uh, review or video, but I know like my thoughts kind of mirror like when I watched the um, Red Letter Media video from like six or so years ago with their recap where they like kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, they're hyperbolic. But they, they described it as like one of the best and worst movies ever made. And there is still, like some truth to that where it's like as a technical feat, uh, it's kind of hard to dismiss it because it is really impressive what they're able to accomplish. Like the Titanic sinking scene is one of the best from a like special effects standpoint and from a like filmmaking standpoint. It's one of the most like incredible set pieces and sequences that I think there's ever been made. And I think it's it stands toe to toe with anything that's come out now. Uh, it's probably even better than a lot of them in many respects. But there is a there is a very corny sensibility to the central romance. Obviously, it was fictionalized because there was there was no Jack and Rose, but it's our kind of gateway into this uh you know, tragedy. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that like, it's kind of like sensationalizing this very sad and somber moment. But, um, you know, I mean, I think the the thing here, like the discussion here is that like, I, th- there's a lot of factors that go into like the backlash argument where it's like, it's some people who want to be like, I guess, morally superior, intellectually superior, where it's just like, oh, well, I'm not like them. I see something different. And I'm not saying that's everyone that does a backlash, but I think that's sometimes part of it. And that like there's like kind of like this like individuality that people want to have to something that is so like well liked and like one central opinion of something. But it's also just like if there's so many people are seeing something, there is always going to be like a wash of opinions about something like it's really hard for something like Hamilton or Titanic to come out and everyone having the same exact opinion on something for so long because so many people are going to be exposed to something and so many people are going to hear this is amazing. This is an incredible thing. And it's kind of hard to live up to those expectations for everybody for whatever reason. And so that's always going to be a factor as well. But um, I mean, I guess comparing these two, at least it's it's a lot of things like I mean, I think Titanic isn't quite the same as Hamilton because like Titanic is considered like one of the defining pieces of works of like the past presidential like uh, term, like the Obama era. And that's not really what Titanic was. It was just a big, huge like cinematic event that, um, you know, I think. I think a lot of people are romantics. I think they like like a very sweet, like melodramatic story like that. That's kind of old fashioned, but it has an earnest sensibility to it that I think really works for people. But um, it's easy to poke holes through it. There's a lot of flaws, especially with James Cameron's writing as a dialogue guy. Like he's, he never really was good as like writing like memorable or like lines that aren't inherently kind of corny. So it's easy to poke at 
Kit James Cameron's flaws in that regard. But I don't know. It, it's a big discussion in that sense. Yeah, and we're obviously not going to get into a full-fledged review of Titanic, but I would point the listeners, and you will, to Lindsay's video about the subject because I think she gives a really good defense of this movie. One that, you know, I'll I'll certainly admit, like I've always been a huge fan of Titanic. I really like that movie. There was something about the way I watched it in theaters and how it was one of the first times in a theater I watched something that long, and I really got caught up in the story and the romance and so you can ascribe a lot of my affection for the movie to sort of the nostalgia i have for it but i think it's nostalgia that's well earned like i think the times i revisited the movie uh even after sort of seeing how red letter media approached it and i do like in that video how they they point out how the filmmaking is really sharp like a lot of the writing is really sharp but they do also go into a lot of the flaws and you know I think to the broader discussion you're talking about, a movie cannot be all things to all people. It cannot be perfect. No art can be that, yeah. And yeah, and there's there's no way to sort of like look at something and uh, th- there's no way to look at something that is really popular and to judge it on that because maybe some movies were made to be really popular and that sort of informs its flaws. Uh, there are movies that we see all the time that are like safe and they they don't take any risks, but that's not the kind of movie I see Titanic as I see that movie that took a ton of risks. It sort of captures this time period that like people know that the ship sinks. So like crafting a story around that and Lindsay does get into that. That's a really hard narrative to get across, um, especially considering the length, how it's a somber shipwreck that you do have to like walk the balance of tragedy and sensationalizing it for your, to make money, essentially. And I think the movie does it really well because I think the movie has a really good heart to it that it it sort of like subverts your idea of what a MacGuffin is and it takes this like romance and uh, storytelling that might be kind of predictable and adds a lot of like iconic imagery to it. So there's a reason it's still very popular. And I think mm-hmm. this is a good subject to bring up for the show because... I think Hamilton will probably have a similar legacy where even though people are going to try to cut it down a peg because they see it as too popular, it needs criticism to sort of like make it seem more human. (laughs) I think that's sometimes the motivation of backlash is to basically try not to overhype a pop cultural thing so that people don't worship it or idolize it or idealize it. And we'll talk about Hamilton pretty soon, but of course you can find things in Hamilton that are flawed. It's made by people. And I sure. guess like if you really like something, I would just challenge the listeners, try not to get too offended or too, um, I, I don't want to say like um, upset or anything like that, but it's okay to feel a little bit of discomfort when someone criticizes something you really love, but you kind of have to take it in stride and understand yeah. that everybody has their opinion and it doesn't devalue how much you like the thing. There are times though, when sometimes you really like something and somebody points something out that you didn't consider before, and it might alter your opinion slightly. And I think you should welcome that. It makes you more knowledgeable and well-rounded as a purveyor of cul- of uh, culture in general. Yeah. I mean, with anything like as far as pop culture is concerned, I think it's not a sin to like something like you should be in, you should feel allowed to like something. I think it's good to listen to criticism, 
uh, especially with something that is so popular like this and Hamilton. Um, I think it's worthwhile to really discuss and think and even challenge like what does it mean that this is so popular like what does it say about our culture what does it say about our time period those are very worthwhile and i think interesting discussions to be had but i mean you know at the end of the day like you like titanic or you don't you like hamilton or you don't like i mean i I don't think it's a sin to like or dislike either of them but um i don't know i mean i think it's also kind of a similar mentality like looking at avatar like its legacy is also kind of gone through like its own like revisions and backlashes as well as uh titanic i think generally people are mostly favorable on titanic now uh avatar it's like kind of mixed like some people like i think they acknowledge that like it is a huge accomplishment it's another film that like by all means should have failed but james cameron made it work somehow but it has like a lot of inherent flaws that people like to poke at and i think there is something with that film as well where it's like Titanic is a film like obviously we still talk about like Avatar is a huge film of the same variety that like no one ever really brings up either, which is kind of weird. But um, I don't know. There, there's always interesting discussions to be had on something like these products that become so popular that they, they kind of define a certain year or a certain era of uh, our culture. We will definitely have Lindsay Ellis's video linked in the show notes and we'll oh, I thought see you were say, she actually, I thought you were going to say she was going to be on the show. <laughs> I was like, well, oh. Oh. <laughs> that'd be fun. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're two small potatoes, but yeah, she, she does a great video and she mentions Avatar um, naturally because of James Cameron. But yeah, a lot of what you just said there, she kind of echoes, especially like when you think of Titanic, you think of like, I'm king of the world and a ton of things yeah. that have like lasted the test of time. Whereas Avatar just doesn't see have that same legacy. Uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> readily recognize that. But yeah, yeah, again, you can't fault that movie for its uh, technical achievements and what it did for CGI and film. Um, arguably, it's something that we haven't really quite... Uh, evolved from since in some ways possibly but oh yeah for yeah. sure but hey you can go to pandora uh once disney reopens and relive the uh previous holder of the uh, biggest movie of all time now it's avengers yeah. endgame so mm-hmm. well until avatar 2 <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah that would that will definitely come out um uh, someday there's no way it won't they are filming it so we'll see yeah but they did they were filming it as i should say All right, let's talk about our one and only review this week, which is Hamilton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being. This is Hamilton. Hamilton, like we mentioned earlier, is a Broadway production that came out in 2015. It was produced, written, and composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, in the years since Alexander Hamilton came out, uh, or (laughs) Hamilton, not his first names in the play, but anyway, since that came out, (laughs) 
uh, Miranda has had a really great career. He has uh, contributed a lot of music through Disney, in fact, through uh, Moana and Mary Poppins Returns. And what's interesting about this theatrical version of the musical is it was supposed to come out next October, so October 2021. But it looks like Disney worked out a deal with Miranda because In the Heights, which is his next yeah. big project, is not mm-hmm. coming out this year. And it looks like they've decided, okay, Hamilton is not touring right now. Obviously, they wanted to wait to release this until after it was done on all of the off-Broadway productions around the country right. and elsewhere, which wouldn't have been until the end of next year. But because of the pandemic, plays are not happening and also In the Heights is not coming out. So it's actually a really strategic move by Miranda and Disney. It's an election year. That's also a big factor as well. Right. It's coming out on Independence Day. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's good timing considering all of these negative circumstances. I mean, as much as you, we can fault Disney for a variety of things, they do know how to market and strategize their products. Yeah. It's a good move. And I mean, they were holding on to this anyway. The only reason they were waiting to release it was because they wanted to make money from the Broadway production. And now that's not really something they have to worry about. Yeah. So like we said, yeah, this was a live stage production that they filmed in 2016, not too long before the original cast went their separate ways. A lot of them did. Uh, you have a lot of recognizable faces in here. For example, Leslie Odom Jr., who won a bunch of Tonys. You have the whole thing won a bunch of Tonys. And uh, David Diggs, who would go on to make films like Blind Spotting. He's now in Snowpiercer, the uh, FX show. And yeah, we, we've seen these a lot of these people just move on and do uh, a lot of interesting other projects. Jonathan um, Groff is in uh, Mindhunter now and... Um... Uh, True. He was already in Frozen by the time this had come out. Yeah. And, you then know, Leslie Odom Jr. He had been on Glee and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But yeah. Odom. So and Jonathan Groff has been in like a Broadway presence for a long time, like over oh, a decade. Sure. Yeah. So really, really great though because you get to see this original cast do the original production, which is about the life of one of our founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton, and how his ambition and career coincided with a lot of the other founding fathers, including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and his nemesis, Aaron Burr. If you don't know your history, I will not reveal what happens to Alexander Hamilton, but a lot of you probably already know. And that's not really the point of the play. It's not like a suspense of like, what will happen to Alexander Hamilton? It's more like, what will be the legacy of this person? And what's so fascinating about this play and what I think shot it to the acclaim and the recognition that it received five years ago is the fact that most of the cast is made up of people of color. And the idea is that they are sort of reclaiming this story through their own perspective. And even though there is this irony there, which they freely admit to, that the people they're playing own slaves. And they are the same skin color as those slaves. There is this sort of empowering way about this musical for many of these communities. I know for me, you know, a lot of listeners know I'm Puerto Rican. And when I see Lin-Manuel Miranda, a Puerto Rican man playing Alexander Hamilton, I can't describe it. It's very strange because I do pass for white. So it's not like I never connect with 
white characters, but I never feel like they represent me necessarily because that's not my ethnicity. It's not my background. And so I very rarely see Puerto Ricans like center stage like this. Like the best I get is like Benicio del Toro, right? Who And they're usually like villains and or they're side characters. But to see this man who was raised in New York, who, uh, you know, comes from like Puerto Ricans, we're not immigrants, but a lot of the time Americans, like state Americans make us kind of feel like them and they kind of make us feel other. And to see this guy, the star of the show, it's, it's really great. Like, I can't describe it. And it makes me wonder, it's like, is this what it feels like for other people <laughs> to sort of see themselves on the screen like this specific way? And that's the first thing I want to get off the bat is that when I watched the stage production live in San Francisco, Hamilton was played by someone who wasn't quite, uh, I, I don't think was Puerto Rican. I think he was like um, half black, half Mexican, I want to say. And obviously that's, it's still a great show and it's, it's a wonderful show, but seeing this with the original cast, I have to say totally for me outshines the live production that I saw in several ways. Although you can't beat seeing it live because you get to see the whole stage and you get to really experience the play in a dynamic way that you can't necessarily on this filmed version, but it's still really effective. It was directed and produced by Thomas Kale and it was shot very cinematically and I could go on and on, but uh, Will, I got to turn it to you. <laughs> this this play, uh, I think this was your first time seeing it. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I've heard the soundtrack before. I mean, I don't know how you could go through like 2016 without at least hearing three or four of the songs. But um, yeah, this is my first time seeing the play, um, especially with the original cast. Uh, and so this was, I guess, my more formal introduction to it. I mean, obviously, there was so many years of hype, uh, so much talk around the show that I mean, I only and I don't know anyone can go into this without some expectations or some idea what it is. But um yeah i mean it's kind of hard to look at because you're looking at this as like sort of so many different things like you can review it as the musical itself you can review it as like a technical thing like as a film and you can review it as like a article of time like it's like a slow time capsule obviously from 2016 and because it's coming it's uh composed of three different nights of this one very specific time in our culture it's also like this reflection from a whole other time like it's just so weird to think about four years ago as like a whole different lifetime but it is in so many ways just based on how politics have shifted and moved in a lot of different ways so um i think in that sense it's a lot more complicated i think that's where i think there's going to be kind of the more kind of nitty-gritty stuff that we'll have to criticize and kind of contextualize um but as a show i mean it's kind of hard to fault it too i mean there's a lot to be said about like whether this is like hagography or if this is like too much of a lionizing effort of Alexander Hamilton, like you said, like the founding fathers, especially at a time now where like we're seeing statues of founding fathers being torn down across the country and stuff like is this too much of a celebration of that? Is it too much of a like kind of like emboldening of the founding fathers? And I think that's really complicated as well, because like you said, like having the cast be almost entirely comprised of people of color and having, um, you know, like this uh, diverse cast of so many different talented people. I, I think it so it, it it talks more about like mythizing and like exploring the ideas and also 
transposing them into like a new era and kind of like the idea of like taking the stuff that we hold evident in this country and just recontextualizing and continuing to evolve it. And so that it remains relevant and interesting as time goes on. I think that's the key to, like you said, that makes this musical so revered and so, uh, so much a, uh, part of our culture, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far too early. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I guess my broader thoughts are it's good, but um, the ways it's good, I think, are a lot more complicated. I do want to address what you brought up, though, about the founding fathers and that that specific criticism. I've definitely seen it go around. And I, I got to say, I don't buy into it. My opinion on this show and its message, which, like I said before, it's again, sort of yeah, about, I think it's more about mythizing. Yeah, it's it's sort of about what you said, how the legacy of a person shifts in perspective over time. And when we look back on these people, we see like, you know, the, we're raised to believe they're paragons and that they're these like heroes, you know? But what I really like about this musical is I think that it does the opposite of what it's being criticized for. I don't think it idealizes or even fully celebrates these men. I think it just sort of humanizes them in a lot of ways. You know, I've seen people sort of criticize that, man, this really makes George Washington, a guy who owned slaves, uh, makes him seem like this awesome, noble hero. And I don't think it does that. I think it actually shows how flawed this guy was, how he was kind of disliked and how people were jealous of him and how when he was at his wit's end, he was very vulnerable. And I think that that there, with slavery in particular, I think Hamilton, the way he cuts Jefferson down to size, there's a lot of people who will watch this who have a romantic view of Jefferson. And this play will show them that you know these guys were conniving. They were at each other's throats and they were in pursuit of being mythologized or mytho, I don't know, myth, mythologized, mythicized, whatever it is. Lionized, yeah, like basically. What I think is great about this musical is that it cuts them down to size, not to rap rhyme there. <laughs> but th that's sure. what I actually really appreciate about this is that Miranda understands that the Shakespearean tragedy of Alexander Hamilton is much more interesting than the sort of like proto patriotic love. we kind of just like throw at these people kind of thoughtlessly just because we owe our country to them. And so I think there are a lot of people who watch this uh, growing up who will have probably a better idea or at least a start to the civics of this time than I know, like I grew up in Virginia. So, you know, I grew up where Monticello is and literally like the other school by ours was called Thomas Jefferson Middle School, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, our high school was called Jefferson Forest High School. So like Thomas Jefferson was like, absolutely like everywhere in my hometown and it's easy to sort of be like yes so this was one of our presidents he was uh somebody he had wrote the declaration of independence and there's not an examination we really get of this person in particular and the way david Diggs plays him is really it's true to that legacy because he's like this charming guy with swagger but he's also like i said before cutthroat and full of these like harmful ideas, um, it gets addressed that he is a slaver and they're trying to uphold uh, financially their independence because of how slavery has basically 
propelled them to have a lot of financial power. And yeah, I, I think this, this musical, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that criticism rings true? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I mostly agree in that. Like I, I got the sense throughout watching this, that like the founding fathers, they're not entirely made to be like these like perfect flawless people. Like they're often shown to be arrogant and like childish and rash, even though they're defining our country and like creating all these, you know, constitutional roles that, we still live by like they they are people and we do see that humanity throughout i think that's what you're getting at is that like we see more of the complexities of their personality and so many key scenes in this but i guess where i might push back is that i do think this becomes a product of its time in that like they are still kind of made to be like like at least alexander hamilton at least is still like kind of made to be like this kind of patriotical figure and like this this sense of like, oh, he, you know, as Hart, he's still trying to do something good. And I think there's something about that that brings a little bit more shallow now than it did at the time. Not that it's entirely shallow, but that it just seems a little bit more shallow looking at a 2020 of this 2016 show, because it just seems like we've kind of become more critical of these kind of constitutional institutions than we were at this time. And I think that's where the conversation kind of gets pushed. And I think that's where people are starting to criticize more is in that area. And I think people are kind of murking the waters a little bit by kind of arguing different things at the same time. But I think that's kind of at the heart of what the key criticism of the show is right now. Which I, I don't really agree with. I think that um, I think Hamilton's downfall is that he he kind of ruins his life because he's so obsessed with his legacy and being cleared of wrongdoing. He's willing to sell out his family. He's willing to put his own life on the line. It's like he never gets over the war for independence. And he never gets over the fact that uh, he is somebody who kind of came from nothing. And he feels like he has to work harder than everyone else. And to me, that is the Shakespearean tragedy of Hamilton. So that's not really my interpretation. I never interpreted it as, look at this Hamilton guy. He's such a great guy. It's more of like, learn from Hamilton. Do not do what he did. Because he made some fatal mistakes, which are tragic because he was somebody who was so smart, who could have been such a great figure in American politics if he had not done what he had done. And what I also really like about this is that it reminded me a little bit of the rivalry in Amadeus uh, between Salieri and Mozart. Mm -hmm. And what's really great about this play, what really brings it together is Aaron Burr uh, by Leslie Odom Jr., who, you know, we learn about Aaron Burr and he's sort of the villain of a lot of the stories we read about Hamilton. But what I like about the play is that it really shows how he gets to this place and the honor that he has, his argument for what's he, what he does and how Jefferson is really sort of the villain, not Burr and how Burr and Hamilton start out as friends. And then it, it's just, it, it's like you said, it like complicates the story, but in a way that rings true in a way that um, I think is really influential uh, and, you know, years down the line, maybe right now to some people, this will feel a little dated. This will feel like an artifact of a different time. I think it's going to last the test of time. I don't really agree that it probably just feels dated now because we're in a in a moment where the future of our country is very uncertain. We're going through all these trials and tribulations. And I think anything that even has an ounce of patriotism is hard to stomach right now. But that happens with a lot of good things. I think that over time, you know, if this too shall pass, 
I think we're all going to have probably a reckoning with this 10 years, 15 years down the line. And I think it will be remembered fondly. That's my prediction because I think that the quality of the production is so good, which we haven't even got into <laughs> the actual production of it. We've just True. been like, I've been rambling and ranting. So we should talk about that stuff. I mean, just it's it's hard to look at this thing as one select thing. And that's why I was kind of confused when you said that last week, like, what are we going to talk about? It's like, there's so much to dissect here, I think, as like, but it's just like, it's different articles. Like, I feel like you can look at it as any number of things, but I think there's a lot to dig into here. I don't know what the show's legacy is going to be in 10 or 15 years. I don't even know what it's going to be like tomorrow. But um, I think, I don't know, I, I do think it's going to stand some sort of test of time as just being so big in this moment that it's going to be impossible to like ignore it or overshadow it. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of criticisms here that are valid. I don't agree with all of them, but I, I do think there is there is stuff to here that's worth discussing. And I think it's going back to our earlier discussion, like with Titanic, where it's like, I think there's going to be like swings, like you said, like, I think there's going to be a backlash here because it's just a little, it's a 2016 thing. It's coming out in 2020 and things are different now and people have different ideas of different things. So that's a given, but then there's probably going to be in like 2024, like this reviving maybe of like, oh, you know, like there's a lot to appreciate for what it was doing at this time and how it was ahead of its time and X, Y, Z and all this stuff. And then there'll be an inevitable backlash. So I think it's going to be a rotating conversation. I just don't imagine it's going to be any one thing at any one given time. But I think there's a lot of weight to be given to both the praise and the criticism of this. Yeah, I definitely don't want to diminish any criticism, but I do want to, I want to make something clear. Like one of the reasons I haven't been talking about the production itself and some of the technical and the performances and anything like that, more, I haven't really been talking about that as much is because I didn't notice it a lot while watching this version. You know, I, I noticed it a lot when I was watching it live, the rotating floor, the numbers themselves, the choreography. I think that is really competent in Hamilton. I don't think it's like revolutionary, you know, to sort of be punny here. Nope. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, but it isn't. And it's not really trying to be. It's actually a pretty humble production. And what I like about it is that you can watch this and not think too much about what you're seeing, but more of like why you're seeing and hearing what you are. And you focus more on the lyrics. You focus more on the expressions on people's faces. And I think all of that stuff is what's more next level about this particular musical. I mean, I wasn't really going too much into production stuff um, just because I think I feel like like you're saying last week, like that's the stuff that I think that's already been discussed to a good amount of detail. Like, I feel like because that's so key to the stage production of it that I think we've and we're already not musical had, like, theater critics. And exactly. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like there's a lot of value in it. Like, I, I love how like the stage rotates and like how it like makes this bullseye and all this stuff. I think that's all very neat and very interesting. But like, I just figured like, I, I imagine when the show premiered on Broadway and when it was on off Broadway as well, that was already being discussed. So like, I just exactly, don't know if I, yeah. I just feel like I'm probably repeating what's been said five or six years ago at this point or four or five years ago. I mean, but um, yeah, I mean, it's all impressive for sure in that regard. And I mean, that's, I think, key to why it was so successful. Yeah. And I think the rapping is my favorite thing about the music. Uh, I think that, you know, you could criticize Miranda in particular because his singing voice isn't very strong. He's not the the better actor of the group. I think he's not a bad actor as much as some people have been saying otherwise, but I think he's the weakest actor of the cast just because everyone in the cast is so good around him. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that his passion really comes through. And again, I'm not arguing just that. Be bias because I'm, you know, I'm gravitating towards somebody who's representing me in a more real way than other oh, actors sure, yeah. do. So I'm probably being 
very unfair to the rest of the cast. And I think that the whole ensemble is fantastic. Um, Hercules Mulligan in particular, who was also John Adams. um, I forget the actor's name. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Akrit. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, I was going to say, I know who you're talking about, but I don't don't know how to pronounce it. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce names that should be (laughs) evident. I'm not going to even attempt. Yeah. Um, him, Leslie Odom Jr., I think the Skyler sisters absolutely really stand out in this. I mm-hmm. think that if there's any criticism of this play like that's come out more recently that some people have uh, said that I actually am a little bit more partial to is probably how this handles the Skyler sisters in the story. And sure. sort of the gender politics of this are a little bit iffy and are worth talking about. I, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not as qualified to talk about it. It's not something that I yeah. certainly picked up on as much as a guy. Mm-hmm. So, right. But uh, Philippa Shu as Eliza really, really shines. At oh, this. yeah, she's and fantastic. Yeah, I think when you listen to it, I, I thought, you know, so Renee Goldsberry is Angelica and she is a fantastic singer. And I think her stuff really shines in the uh the album but i think in the play like philippa sue is like just seeing her beatbox for example (laughs) it's just i loved it so much i loved like what she brought to this in her own personal way it's a little bit more subdued which i think is why seeing it uh more live uh, actually works to her favor in particular yeah i mean i i i'm to be clear i'm not being too critical of lemanuel Miranda as an actor i'm just saying that i think of the cast that he doesn't quite meet their standards. But I don't think that's really a diss on him so much as that everyone else around him is so good that it's just hard to match them as far as their performance. But there is, I mean, he does have his own sort of like charming charisma that I think is very evident. And he, like you said, there's a passion to it that it, it's kind of hard to recreate. I don't know what the other performers who played Hamilton are like, but I imagine it may not be exactly the same. Like when I saw um in the Heights, I remember like the performer that played the lead in that show, like uh, he was good, but it also felt like he was trying to mimic Lin-Manuel Miranda and that that character I imagine was a little bit more uh catered towards uh Lin-Manuel Miranda than even this performance so maybe there's something there but um I, I think for me the performer that really stands out the most and we've already discussed him but it's uh David Diggs I think it's incredible Oof, how much the charisma uh, magnetism and charisma is there <laughs> it's just like like I mean he's a star like it's so clear in the show like even like when well, you can tell like I think his rendition here of what they miss isn't you can tell it's a little bit like more tired than I think because it's like towards the end of the run. So it's not quite as like energetic as some of like the earlier performances I've seen from him doing that song. But like even when like he's like a little bit tired, it seems like he still brings so much that like it's so clear, like why he's had such a career ascension in the show from the show. I mean, because yeah. he, he has the natural star power and like there's so many scenes where like he's not even the focal point, but like my eye keeps getting drawn to him because it just he has so much charisma and so much clear star power, like I said. So, I mean, seeing that uh, as opposed to just listening to it in the soundtrack, um, that really stood out to me. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to fault any particular performer in this um, besides Manuel. But um, yeah, I think everyone is really bringing their A game here and it's clear why. Because I think they wanted to make a show every night that was worth all the attention and claim that they were getting. And, you know, they they weren't phoning it in for for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's a great thing that they put to this. They put this whole thing together over the course of several shows. So what you're seeing is a really tight uh, version of Hamilton. It's not uncut. There's a lot of stuff that's bleeped out. Um, the F-bombs in particular, because this is all Disney+. Plus. I don't think it's super noticeable and you can still find that in the soundtrack if you want the like pure version of this. <laughs> if you want to hear the cuss. 
If you want to um, hear the cusses. If you want to know well, what the F word sounds like. <laughs> there's there's only one version of it that I thought would have been more cathartic if we could have heard it. And that's yeah. the Southern Democratic Republicans. Oh, yeah, yeah. The other ones, though, it's like that, that was the only time where I thought it actually did kind of interrupt the flow too much. Uh, um, I don't know if there were other ones for you, but that was the only one that was noticeable to a fault for me. But other than that, uh, it's fine. You don't need it. I think the way they handled it was fine because like the bleep still got the like the the point across. The one that stood up more to me was what I forget how it goes, but it's like get the f up. It like it clearly like toned it down, but like it's building up to that line that felt more noticeable to me in that regard. Like I imagine the show like that that line was like a little bit more impacting because you actually heard it, whereas this like they had to like tone it down. So, but I can see what you mean. Well, I've said a lot. Uh, I think cinematically this really works. I think the story is still pretty relevant, and I think. Most people are going to like this. Of course they are. You already know if you're into Hamilton, but if you're still kind of curious and if you're sort of like, I don't, I don't know, I don't want the hype to dispel this for me, or I don't want to watch something and then it end up be, not being as good because everybody was praising it too much. I think, look, go into it with managed expectations like you would anything else, but there is a reason it's so popular. There's a reason it has captured so many imaginations. A, there is a high chance you're going to at least like this. So I say, give it a chance when, you know, you're in the mood to watch a musical play. And I think that this is one of the more accessible ones that I've seen like on any streaming service. I think it's like really, really engaging, really compelling. And I think in a lot of ways it is a must see. So I'm going to bump it up to an A minus. I think in a lot of ways it's like a B plus kind of thing, but I think the thematic storytelling is so strong. It really pushes this up to A minus must see for me. So that's my grade for this one. Um. Yeah, I mean... I have a lot of thoughts on it. I haven't really even discussed some of the more production stuff. Um, just not even like the show itself, like from a like uh, video uh, filmmaking level that, that that thoughts I've had there. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, like at the end of the day, like it, I think it's important to see a show just to be involved in the conversation. I think, you know, actually having some people get, getting a chance to actually see this show. Like I wish more, like you said, pro- Broadway productions could be made accessible and uh, available to people once they were done or like, you know, once they, they're not as popular as they once were. And I don't even know if it would really impact the popularity of it. Like it's like a concert, right? So it's like, you know, like when I listen to an album, like, you know, I don't just go, Oh, well, I got the album. <laughs> like I don't need to see these guys live. Right. Like I'd still want to see the the band live if I liked the album. So I never really got that argument per se, but I, I do think it's good that we've gotten this. And I think especially in the streaming era, it's a lot more accessible to produce content like this or provide content like this. I mean, so I, I, I definitely think it's good and worthwhile that we have this. Um, you know, it does make it kind of odd as far as like, is this a film? And I think it ultimately is a concert film. Technically, it, 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 it's um, I think the first concert film we've reviewed on the show, which is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I guess so. yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot to discuss here. Like, I think, you know, I, I think there's a whole other hour of discussion. We could really dive into a lot of the more criticisms that have been uh, lodged the film, either warranted or not. But um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it is good theater. It's a good show. I think it's evident why the show has been so popular and so consistently popular. But I also think it is a product of its time. And I think it's dated in a lot of ways. But I think, um, you know, even if I don't fully agree with everything with it, and I don't think it entirely works, I think at the end of the day, it's a good show and it's kind of hard to argue otherwise, especially from like a, like writing song writing standpoint, there's so much here that's so dense and so nuanced. And so clearly like Lin-Manuel spent so much time to make these songs as popular as they are for reasons, because they're just so good. And I think that's the key to success even beyond the broader stuff. Um, 
So for me, I think I'm going to give it a B plus as well, just because it is it's a good show. I mean, it's worth checking out and I'm glad I got to see it. Even if I have more criticisms than you did, I, I, I think it's a worthwhile show to see. And I hope more shows are put on the streaming services like it so I can actually see what all these Broadway people are talking about for once. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend uh, all of you definitely go seek out some reviews from musical theater folks. Uh, they can give you a much better comprehensive uh, criticism of this on that perspective than we can. We're just limited by <laughs> our film ways, but hopefully we still had a good productive discussion um for our fellow film lovers and how this measures up in the that way so i do like that um we've had uh you know with this email come out that's like you guys always talk about politics and all this stuff and it's like what do you mean and then our next two uh <laughs> reviews are so like probably yeah. our most political conversations uh and one other uh off thought i had is that this is probably the horniest thing to hit disney plus since the hunchback in notre dame <laughs> i couldn't find a way to incorporate that but that's that's uh one random astray thought i had so sorry wrap up the show ended <laughs> <laughs> on that note on that note uh <laughs> a lot of things coming out next week uh we definitely want to find time to talk about palm springs which i already mentioned on this show it's yeah, a fan. new neon film from the lonely island folks uh, it's coming on Hulu. I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite films of the year. It's a really good comedy. Definitely worth checking out. Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti, J.K. Simmons, Peter Gallagher. Absolutely worth your time. I think a lot of you will like it. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I hope it. Uh, I hope you at least like it and find it enjoyable. <laughs> but uh, there's a few other things. Uh, there's a new... Uh, Apple TV Plus movie coming out starring Tom Hanks, who worked on the screenplay, actually. Uh, Rob Morgan and Elizabeth Shue and Stephen Graham also star. And this is the first film we've gotten from director Aaron Schneider in, I think, 11 years uh, since his first film, Get Low. Uh, which is funny because Schneider was actually oh, the second huh. unit director on photography for Titanic. So <laughs> how about that? Uh, but this film is called Greyhound, and uh, it's coming to us from Film Nation, Braun, and those fine folks. And I don't know too much about this film story-wise, but uh, I know that it's based on the novel The Good Shepherd, which is from the mm -hmm. 50s. So uh, should be an interesting historical film. Uh, we also have The Old Guard, which is going to be hitting Netflix on July 10th. And that is uh, the new Charlize Theron film, also starring Shiwetel Ejiofor and a few others. And uh, the director, um, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but the love and basketball director, right? Uh, Gina prince Bythewood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Secret Life of yeah. Bees, I'm going to say she also did. So Yeah, and then um, I'm forgetting the title of it, Beyond the Something, I think she did. Um, Beyond the Lights, is that what it was called? Did she do that uh, one? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that was a few years ago. Beyond the Lights, I think you're right. Yeah, I thought so, she did that one. Yeah. Uh, this is her latest film. It's going to be hitting Netflix pretty soon. So a lot of choices um, for people this week. Uh, I think of all of them, I'm definitely going to rewatch Palm Springs, but also if you didn't have a chance to see Relic, I think that that's probably going to be um, a little bit more accessible this week. I couldn't find it when I was trying to stream it, but Will, I think you said it's playing at some drive-ins, so... Uh, at least locally, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it's playing uh, the drive-in with The Lodge, which I forget if I ever got a chance to talk about on the show, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a... I, I mean, I don't know too much about relic but to end your night at the drive-in with the lodge is quite an experience <laughs> i have to imagine yeah. well yeah it is a it's a horror film to be clear uh it stars emily mortimer and bella heathcote so uh, i've heard really great things i want to check it out for myself uh, as soon as i can so that'll do it for our episode this week a bit of a short one but not one short on discussion that's for sure 
Uh, looking forward to seeing all these films and talking about them next week along with uh, some of the other ones this weekend we didn't have time for uh, this week. But from the Internet California, I am John Negroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Lashton. See you next time.